Hello guys, welcome back to Revamp Podcast. This is part two of the Evangelist Scott Snell and Testimony. Thank you guys for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please share it. It'd help us get it out to more people. It'd be greatly appreciated. So without further ado, we're going to jump right in. I, I actually thought during that last two years, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind several times was uh, I, I, uh, I was born to be the example of how not to be. And that's how I was living my life. At this point, you were just, basically, you thought your life was done. Your life was over. Like you said, you were suicidal. You you were going to kill yourself. So how was that when you had these suicidal thoughts that you you actually, like, you ever, like, actually try, like, okay, this is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to end my life. Um... No, um, I had the thoughts all the time, um, but I kept fighting that. Now, I kept doing more dangerous things. I kept taking drugs with the idea that I I know I'm taking too much and could quite probably die Mm -hmm. from it, but I didn't care. And oddly enough, I didn't. I didn't didn't die. Um, And I, you know, I, I don't know why, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't like I'm gonna kill myself. This was just I just don't care if I die. Yeah. Up up until the the last moment where I was going to do it. It's the it's the that's the first time I said I'm going to do it, and I had every intention of doing it, and was in fact doing it when when somebody called. So at this point, where are you at in your life? What age? Do you remember the age? Or and- yeah, I was um, I was about to turn thirty. Um, so you lived your whole twenties, your whole teenhood. This, this was your life party, mm-hmm. rock and roll, yep. sex, drugs. Yeah. Yeah. That was and, uh, all I knew. And it wrecked your life to bring you to a point of suicide. Yes. And so what happened at this point? I, um, well, I, had, I broke my neck when I was, uh, 28 and, um, I, yeah, I saved up, uh, some pills because, um, you know, I was, I was on a lot of medication through that time period, um, through the recovery and all of that. And I ended up saving some pills, um, quite a few of them, uh, pain pills. And my intention was to take them. Um, you know, I had, it, it wasn't a secret that I was depressed. Everybody who knew me knew I was depressed. I didn't walk around telling everybody I was going to kill myself. I, I didn't even hint at it. They just kind of knew. Um, I think I even, because I didn't leave notes. I didn't, you know, uh, this is goodbye. You know, I, I didn't do any of that. But I, You weren't bluffing, basically. No, no. And I think the um, there were times where I think people knew because in a way they could tell I was saying goodbye. And because a couple of people reached out and they were leaving me messages and... I couldn't figure out how they knew because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't tell them that, but, but you know, it, it's, it, it's a lot more obvious to people who are looking in than when you're in it trying to look out. Yeah. Um, you know, I had, uh, I had decided I was going to do it and I was at home and, um, I was, it's weird because I was reaching literally reaching for the pills um, when my phone rang and it was a uh, friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, 
about six months, but yeah, about half a year I hadn't seen him. And uh, he calls out of the blue, and he said, God told me to call you. And I mean, this is as I was getting ready to kill myself. First thing he said was, how are you? I said, I'm fine. I didn't tell him what I was getting ready to do, you know. The, the, I said, I'm the fine. front that everybody says, I'm, yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good, you know. And yeah. the, this is where people, we, we need to talk, you know, when, when, when you have thoughts like this, when you, you struggle, you, you need to talk to somebody, preferably somebody who's going to guide you, right? But talk, talk to somebody. Don't keep it in. Don't put up a front because, man, it's just it might be the thing that saves your life. It, it, it helps to talk to somebody. Because when you hold it in and you hold all these things in, it, it will destroy you. Yes, and it was me. And I, and I didn't tell him what I was going and to so do. And so you you put up that front, said I'm fine. Yeah. And what well, after that? Well, that's when he told me. He said God told me to call you, and uh, and this is at that time where I had been praying to God, let me die in my sleep, so I don't have to kill myself. And uh, and it got my attention. You know, it did. It got my attention. Um, and what was odd was, you know, this this friend that called me was not a. Uh, wasn't a kick open the door type of person and let me yeah. insert myself in your life type of guy. Yeah. Um, so for him to do that was very out of character. And he, um, he told me this and he said, I want you to uh, come to church with me tonight. And, uh, and I said, um, well, I don't know if I, if I can, you know, I might knowing what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I mean, in looking at it now, it's like, well, you know what, what did I have something better to do? And the, and the answer is no, but I, I, I thought I, I just, I don't know if I could do that. You know, at this point I was, I was pretty committed at what I was going to do, but he kept, you know, he kept after me. He kept yeah. saying, I want you to come. I want you to come. You need to come. So were you scared to death? Like, cause you're praying, you're praying to God, kill me in my sleep. You know, let me die in my sleep. Were Were you scared to death? Were you? What were your thoughts of that? Um, yes and no. I mean, the 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 mystery of death was something that I um, had written a lot about, and I had had a lot of death in my life. Um, as I mentioned, my family, you know, to, many close people in my family had died, so um, death was something that I did think about a lot. I don't think I was preoccupied with it, but I thought about it. And so, no, I can't say I was scared to, uh, to die. I was scared of going to hell. That's, that's what I was scared of. I was scared of going to hell. Uh, but I was tired of living. I mean, it, it and I know I, I'm trying to say all this with balance because so many times when people hear somebody talking about being suicidal, it does sound very, woe is me. It does sound, please feel sorry for me. I I didn't expect it then, and I don't expect it now. Yeah. Um, it's just how I felt. I just I wanted to die, there, and I there, was done. With there's it. a lot of fake suicidal people, you know. Well, there are, they, you know, that self pity, like, oh, feel, look are. at me, I'm like, you know, yeah. to, for attention. There are, and that's that's not where I was at. I was truly, you were truly act actually suicidal. I was tired of life. I was tired yeah. of life, and I did not think I could go on. I didn't see a better way. I did not know 
that you, there was another way of living. You're like, I can't change this. Mm-mm. I can't do anything about this. No. So I'm going to just end it. No, I thought I jacked my life up so much that there was no returning from yeah. that. And so, then I wasn't sure I wanted to return from it anyway. I was like, the, yeah. you just, I, I'm just done. I'm tired. So, and, um, and then he kept on pressing you. Yeah. He kept on. Yeah. He, uh, he, he truly wouldn't let me off the phone. And, and there has to be a part of myself that, um, that wanted to believe what he was saying because I could have just hung up on him and that would have been the end of it. And the type of person I was, that wouldn't have been outside of my character. I'm okay. I'm done talking to you now. So I would, I would say there was, there was something going on in me. Um, something, uh, something going on in general in that situation. And, um, I agreed to go, you know, and, and I remember thinking, who knows, you know, who knows? And, uh, and then I thought, well, I can always do this when I get home, you know, I, I because, and, and, and I, I do remember thinking it clearly. I don't say this flip. I knew something supernatural was happening because I just, I just knew, I just could feel it. Yeah. He, he, I had been praying and even though God, God wasn't, answering my prayers. He was answering somebody's prayers. But to have somebody call, especially this guy at this particular time, right at this moment and say, God told me to call you because it's important. It it wasn't, it wasn't a call where he just called to say, Hey, I just want to invite you to church. You got done. No, he was, he called because he was truly concerned about what was was going on with me. (laughs) Yes, it was. And those things sound so cliche, but, (laughs) but you know, that's what supernatural is. It's when the it's when the supernatural invades the natural, and that's what happened right there. You think then. of Saul, Paul, on the road to Damascus. Yes. That, that was your moment right there. Yeah. On the road to Damascus. Yes. And, and yes, it, it, it hits was you. God getting my attention. Yeah. And um, and so, I, you know, I went. So how did you know this guy? Did you, How did you know him previously? Partying. Partying. Yeah, we were party friends. Um yeah, he's and now he's a changed man. He's a different guy. He is uh, at this point. He at this point in life, he he was he was very changed. But you have to. It's interesting because the last time I'd seen him was six months before this, and we were out at a bar, partying. Yeah, you know, drinking beer together, and so this was a very unusual call from this guy, yeah. and um, and so I you know I agreed to go. I went. And, uh, and look, I'd love to tell you, I, I got saved that night, gave my heart to Jesus and the earth shook and something caught on fire and called my name twice and all of this that didn't happen, but I did come in contact with something that was beyond me, but I, it, it was a totally different atmosphere than anything I'd ever experienced, yeah. particularly in a church. Um, when I went in, um, yeah, I'm just gonna be real honest. The first thing that grabbed me was the fact that there were uh, there was ten people there, roughly, and almost every race imaginable, at least in Oklahoma. There, there was black, white, uh, Mexican, Native, Asian, all there represented in the people, and everybody was sitting together. Nobody was clicked off, and you know, and that's something that had never been a part of my life. I mean, I, I in my family. The older members, there was, there was some racism and some prejudice, but in my life there wasn't, and so I got really enthused about it when I saw it. I was like, "This is very unusual, but I like it." Yeah. And uh, and they had joy. They had something that I did not have. They had joy, and you know they uh, 
they treated me with respect that I, I truly uh, didn't even have for myself. I mean, I was I had been up for three days, you know, partying. I'd I'd, I'd been on crack and and smoking and drinking, and so that's you know I'm on the the third day of this, and I and I go to church, and uh, it wasn't like it that wasn't totally obvious. I mean, it I looked like an unmade bed when I came in, and still they gave me dignity. And so that had a profound impact on me. Um, but I didn't get saved that night. No. But it did change the but direction it, of my life. But it, it had an impact on you. Yes. Yes. Because I realized that there is somewhere different. There is something different. Because this church where it was located, it was a little storefront church, located in between two crackhead apartments that I used to spend time at. And I didn't even know this place was a church. Yeah. And, and now I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. There's a church here, and like, uh, who would put a church here? <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was phenomenal. You know, it really grabbed me. It was truly a supernatural moment. I'd love to tell you that being suicidal went away uh, at that point. It didn't. Um, I didn't get saved that you night. Didn't, you didn't gloriously. God didn't come down and change your life. And, no, all uh, you know, all rainbows and roses. No, but I didn't go home and kill myself either. And See, and I think that's the importance of uh, sowing seeds. You know, of because. People might not get saved in the moments. People may not change right then and there. That's what we always pray for, you know. Oh, I hope they get saved. I hope, you know, which which is good. But in, in planting that seed, in 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 Him calling you and obeying God, it saved your life, and for eventually you to get saved. Yes. To to come to Christ. Yes. And and a couple of months later, I I did get saved. I so I visited the church a few times between so then. After that, after that one night. Did you you continue going or like? Not regularly, not regularly. I visited a few times, but something kept drawing me back. And as I said, I didn't go kill myself. And I, I there was still a part of me that was planning on it, but now it made it harder to do, to do because there was a. I had visited a place that was different. I had visited a, a door opened, and I was able to walk into an arena of life that prior to that moment, I didn't think was available you, to me. you never seen before. you exactly. never felt this before. Exactly. And so it, it, it created a, um, a kind of a conundrum because I was ready to die and I was ready to, you know, for that to be over. But now the opportunity to change came. And so suicide was not the only option. Keep in mind, it... it it was never the only option, but in my head it was, and so now it wasn't. And I had to come face to face with that, and I had to look at that, and um, and it, and it, you know, obviously it made killing myself harder to do. Yeah. So this um, is <laughs> this is the changing process now. You yeah. You, you had an encounter, and yes. you rode to Damascus, and <laughs> yeah. here you are. So when did you get saved? Like when when did you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. February 6th of 2000. <laughs> that's, that's when I got saved. I, uh, my, you know, the, the pastor at the time, who is my pastor now, um, prayed with me. And, uh, you know, it, it, there was, it, I'll be honest, it wasn't even during the church service. It was after the church service. We were standing outside. And uh, there had been altar calls pulled every single time I went, but I didn't answer any of them. Because even though I knew my life was jacked up, I knew I was a horrible person 
I also thought, because I believed in my heart and had confessed with my mouth that Jesus was Lord, that I was okay. And I know that sounds ridiculous after everything that I've, I've just been talking about, but that was my mindset. And, uh, and so he asked me, you know, very pointedly, we were standing outside and he says, are you saved, Scott? And my answer was, I'd like to think I am. And that was, that was an honest answer that that was what I would have wanted. I, I, I like to think that I am. And don't we all. (laughs) Right, exactly. And he said, uh, well, you can be sure. And uh, he said, I could pray with you right now. If you want, we could pray. And then you could know for sure if you really want that. And uh, I realized in that moment I did. I did want that. And um, it wasn't lost on me, you know, what I was doing. I didn't just say it to uh, be saying it. I didn't just repeat the prayer so he would leave me alone. I, I knew this was something, this was a moment. I knew this was going to be a moment for me. And I did it. And I, I said the prayer. And again, you know, nothing... <laughs> Everything didn't go away, nothing right? Nothing <laughs> happened in terms of uh, the physical, you know, the, the earth the, didn't the shake. The clouds didn't and, open and the light no, shined down from a heaven. dove didn't <laughs> land on my shoulder. Nothing like that. Moonlight didn't strike me in the forehead. It was... I just felt different. Um, I had just bought an ounce of weed um, it was sitting on my table at home and, um, I had every intention of going to smoke it. <laughs> You're ready to light it up. Yeah. I was, I was, you know, cause that was life. And now I felt different about it and God was convicting me about it. And I, uh, you know, I spent the whole night not smoking it and about five o'clock in the morning, something changed. I, I had to make a decision. I said I could I could flip it and get my money back, and then, and then I really remember having the conscious thought I, I that wouldn't break anything, you know it, I could just buy it again, and I thought I could give it away. I thought well I'm passing the headache on, so I thought I could throw it away, but I also knew me if I put it in the trash can I'd be out there about an hour and a half later getting it back out. And so I flushed it. I, I flushed my whole stash. I flushed that ounce of weed I just bought without smoking any of it. And I dumped all the powders that I'd been hooked on down the toilet, poured all the liquids that uh, I'd been shooting up and drinking, and flushed all those. I even crumpled up my cigarettes and flushed them, bent my needles and threw them in the trash can. And, um, and in that moment, I was free. In that moment, I was delivered. I've I had never had a moment like that. You were only getting into, not getting out of. Yes. And uh, I was, I had such joy in that moment. I, I remember I laughed. This is five in the morning. And I just laughed and laughed till I was crying. I laughed. And uh, I realized I have, I have not had this kind of an honest laugh probably my whole life. And I knew I was free. I was delivered. I, I was truly set free and I knew it. And um, it, it, that was a profound, profound moment. Say, saying the prayer for forgiveness and asking Jesus into my heart was the necessary step, but I had to follow it up with committing to some change. And when I did that, that's when I believe the, the conversion process started. Followed it up with, with action. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't just, you know, I couldn't just sit around and wait for things to get better. I was going to have to make, make some decisions, just like I'd made decisions to destroy my life, made choices that, that ended up hurting me. Um, I had to make choices that were going to be better. Um, I just, and, and, you know, it had to be God because I'm, I'm just, I'm not that smart. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm just not that smart. It had to be God giving me some revelation saying, you are going to have to do your part. I've, I've saved you, but if you want to change, I'll help you, but you're going to have to make different choices You're going to have to let some things go. Yeah. You're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was the, uh, and, and that was the beginning of it. And it, and truth is that's still happening today. I mean, I haven't had a drug or a drink in uh, almost 23 years, but God's still changing aspects of me. You know, I'm by, I'm by no means arrived. I, I don't. God's still working on me, but that, but it began, it began in that there. moment. And, um, it was such a wonderful experience, you know, and I, uh, it's, it is my reference point when I, when I go through hard times now, or when I deal with, yeah. with things now, I remember that I remember being a man who, who had truly jacked his whole life up, uh, taking advantage of just about everybody who was anybody in my life. And done some of the worst things to my own body and helped other people do the same to theirs. And I think God saved that guy, you know? Yeah, the, the love of God. God, yeah. The, the, it, it's so powerful just thinking about it sometimes. It just, it makes you want to cry because you, you think about, you know, he loved us so much that he, he died. He took our sins to that cross. And as he's as he's there dying on the cross, he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Yes. And it, it's just it's so powerful that even in our sins, it says, even in our sins, Christ died for us. And and that's such a powerful thing that it, it's not by our works, it's not by what we do. You don't have to be you you don't have to be the best person. You don't have to have it all together. Is that there's a loving God in heaven that cares about you. And wants to have a relationship with you, and and was really and willing to, was willing to die for you, even in your sins. I, I it's so powerful. Yes, you know, because yeah. I I come up in a different ba- background than you, way different than you. I never did drugs. I I was never part of the party and stuff. But I still needed Jesus as much as you did. I still needed His love, His grace, His mercy as much as you did. I think that's a powerful thing because. His love is available to everybody. It's the gift of salvation. Yes. You got to accept it. Well, that's that's it. And then and then make the choices to to live for him. And um and those choices aren't, you know, always easy because change is scary and I was very scared of the change. I'd spent my whole life um doing things a certain way and even though you know they they tormented me and destroyed me, it was all I knew. And so the idea of living differently um, was terrifying. You know, getting a getting a a real job, um, get becoming social again because I you know I had removed myself from from people, and now I'm I'm having to step back out it, into it, that arena. It was lonely. It was isolating. Even though you were around all these people, mm-hmm. it was very isolating. Yeah, and it, and it you know it, and I'll be honest with you. When I first got saved, I still felt some of that. Because I felt like a fish out of water, you know. But that's that's where I credit the um, 
the people at uh, at the church. It's called the Door uh, Christian Fellowship Church, and that's when I went there again. It was just a you know a handful of people, a couple of handfuls of people, and um, you know I credit their acceptance of me because when I came in, you know, I, I brought nothing to the table. I mean, I did, I had, I had nothing to offer except my messed up life. You were jacked up from the floor, like yeah. the pastor says. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they, you know, they received me. Um, they gave me dignity that I did not possess for myself. And something that really, you know, grabbed me um, after I had been saved for you know a little bit, it'd been a few weeks, a month, maybe even a couple of months, um, I remember somebody saying that um, they said, "Well, you're answered prayer," you know, and I thought that's that can't be, that just can't be. I can't be anybody's answered prayer, but. They were serious about it. They said, no, we've been, we've been praying for the lost to come in. We've been praying for people just like you to come in. And that had a tremendous impact on me because they had no reason to make that up. I brought nothing to the table. There was nothing I could add other than just my presence. And at that particular time, all I was doing was breathing their oxygen. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't working um, I didn't, I had no money. Uh, I had nothing, you know, I had nothing except a cynical, bad attitude and, and, uh, and a jacked up life. And it, um, so when they told me that I was answered prayer, it, it was probably one of the first times that I actually realized that, uh, when we pray for the lost, we're not praying for, uh, for people who have it all together. Yeah. We're not praying for people who've, you know, and thank God for people who do and come in and get saved. But we're, we're, we're praying for people who are at the end of their rope, who really come in and say, you know what, is this, can I find some hope here? And the answer is yes. And that, that's when I made the connection, I think, for the first time, really, that um, this is bigger than me. Because again, I'd spent my whole life being selfish, and now... Yeah here I am and I'm thinking, okay, they're saying this about me and I know who I am. And it's like, okay, so they, they, this is what they do. You know, they, they spend their time coming here and praying for people like me to come in. You felt to love. Yes. That's it. In a nutshell, that's it. Um, and so it, it began to melt the frost that, uh, that had been on my heart in my own way of life. And you know, interesting, uh, uh, book into the story of the guy who called me uh, when I was getting ready to kill myself. He uh, he brought up the the last time that I had seen him before he made that call, and he he said uh, he said, "Do you remember when we last got together?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember it." And he said, "Do you remember what you said?" And uh, I was never very good with questions like that, so I said, "No, I have no idea what I said." And he said, well, I asked you how you were doing. And then it hit me. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, I, I, I just want to be a better person. That was my answer to the question. I remember he looked at me really funny then. And then he poured some more beer. And, uh, and he said, the truth of the matter is, he had went and got saved about six months before that at uh, one of the haunted houses 
uh, some of our churches do. And this was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He got saved, him and his girl. And uh, here he is partying. You know, he, he had got saved, stuck it out for a little bit and then left. And he said, and here, here we are. You are crying out for help. I have the answer and I can't give it to you because I'm drinking with you in a bar. And he said, it convicted me. So I went back to church. I got saved, went back to church. And I thought to myself, you know, just in time for him to call when I was getting ready to kill myself, which totally solidifies the fact that that was a supernatural moment, yeah. you know? And so it, it's, it's just one of those things when you look at how many times God tries to get your attention, you know, and I know how many times he tried to get a hold of mine. You know, now I do. I'm amazed at his love. Um, you know, my life is totally different now. I'm, uh, I mean, obviously we're, you know, we've been talking all about my past and, and, uh, and all, but, you know, the, after salvation, God placed a call in my life to preach and um, another area of change that was completely scary. Uh, my life's been nothing but change, and, and God still, still scares me with it. But I, um, I remember almost going back to drugs um, early in my salvation, and not because I wanted to be high, not because I was feeming for him or, or uh, jonesing for him. Um, I was delivered. I was considering it because I was scared and I didn't think I could live that way. I thought there's no way I could live this way. I, I don't know how to live this way. And, uh, you know, God began to help me with that. You know, change was inevitable. Yeah. And it, it goes with the Bible says, when, when you're in Christ, you're a new creature that l literally means, you know, to be born again, you're, you're yes. like a baby. Now you don't, babies don't know how to walk. They don't know how to talk. They, yep. and it's, relearning life basically you you're a new creature now you're you're sure. born again and now you have to learn how to process things now and in, in the in the christ way you know <laughs> yeah well and that's the thing it's you know the the rest of that scripture says uh old things pass away behold all things become new and you know that means my ways of doing things had to change my habits i had to break the bad habits and create good ones you know, so flushing the stash was just the beginning. Now I had to develop some faithfulness to the things of God, yeah. reading the Bible, coming to church, even when I didn't feel like it, didn't want to, uh, felt like I'd rather be doing anything. And all those arguments that, that, you know, that people tell you that I have said to, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't have to. And, and you're right. You don't. Church doesn't save you. However, church helps you. Yeah. And so I had to learn faithfulness, just like I was faithfulness. You know, faithful to the powder, faithful to the needle, faithful to the dope, faithful to the booze, faithful to the sex, faithful to the to the rock and roll. I I had to be faithful to God, and that was going to require something different of me. So, I um, I had to start making other things a priority, and it, and it was scary. It really was terrifying, and then it it got even more terrifying when. Uh, when uh, God placed a call in my life to preach, because I knew fairly early in my salvation that I was called to be a preacher. And I, I just totally could not wrap my head around that. You know, I thought there is zero possibility of me preaching the gospel. There's, there's just absolutely 
no way that can come to pass. And yet God kept saying, but it's what I want you to do. It's what your call is. It's what you need to do. I'll, I'll facilitate it. I'll help you. Just like I've helped you in every way up to this point. I'll help you do this. But I had the choice. I mean, I wanted to say no multiple times because it, because it was scary. But God said, no, I'll, I'll help you. And he has, and he's still helping me. You know, I'd love to tell you preaching the gospel is still the most comfortable thing to do. It's not. It's still terrifying. I love it, and I'm greatly rewarded by it, and I have a lot of joy in it, but it's still so much bigger than I am, and it still requires me to humble myself to it every day and change every day. But, you know, now that we're talking, I mean, I was a younger man when I got saved. I'm an older man now, and... I'm looking at it like, uh, I'm looking at it like, you know, the fact that God's not done with me, the fact that God is still demanding that I change and God is still molding me and shaping me is a comfort. Yeah. Still scary, but it's, but it's a comfort and I'm not special. That's, that's the thing here. If anybody hears this and you know, you're thinking maybe your lifestyle was exactly the same or maybe it was totally different. If you're hearing this, you need to know that I am not special. I'm not part of a members-only club. Yeah. I, I don't deserve any of the blessings I've had. I, I, I didn't earn anything. Um, all I did was give my broken life to God. I reached the end of my rope, almost ended my life myself, yeah. and God said, I've got a better one for you, but will you take it? And I just had to say yes. And I still have to say yes. I have to wake up every day and say yes. So because picking up your cross daily. Absolutely. Daily, but your, your cross is different now. Before, you know, you, you struggle with different things. Like sure. Your cross should be changing each and every day. You shouldn't be struggling with the same things you struggled 15 years ago with. You right. Know? You, but you still, there's still a battle. There's still a, sure. a choice you have to make each and every day to sure. serve God. Yeah, yeah. You, it's it's real easy to, uh, to lose sight of... Uh, of God's grace in the midst of a changed life. You know, it is. Um, and I know there's, you know, there's certain people that, well, you know, brother, um, if you were really saved, you wouldn't even contemplate that. Well, I, I beg to differ. And I, uh, I personally, I think if you don't question it, then you're not giving salvation any thought. Yeah. And so my reference points or God's reference points in my life are what, what I go back to when, I feel certain ways, and and I don't feel like I, I want to quit every day. It's not like I'm saying it's so hard serving God. It's not. It's a it's a true joy serving God. But life is still life. Things happen. Get tired. Um, you know, early on I struggled with. Well, do I, you know? I don't. I don't need somebody to tell me how to live. You know, I struggled with that very early on. I was a guy and the, the, pride. The pride. <laughs> you know, and um, and the truth is, um, I desperately needed somebody to help me with choices. I still had to make them, but I needed somebody who had a pattern of good decisions in their life to, uh, to help me uh, break the pattern of bad decisions. And so that, that's why it's important. I'm throwing, I'm throwing this in because it, it's still part of my testimony. You know, going, going to church, even though I'm a preacher, I have a pastor. I, uh, I talk to him. I have people that I'm, I'm involved with. You know, I read my Bible. I have to read it, not just as a preacher. I have to read it as a Christian. Yeah. I have to pray. 
I have to tell people about the love of God. And when I say have to, I mean those are the things that kept me saved in the beginning of my salvation, and they keep me saved now. You know, I still have a choice to not do any of those things, yeah. but anytime I've chosen not to, life gets weird. It's it's so easy once you have a little salvation under your belt, once you've been saved for a while, once you've been through, you know, you, you've been to church, you, you, you kind of know what's going on now, you, you know. Yeah. You're not still struggling with the same things. You you you've grown. But now it's hard cuz you begin you begin to rely on yourself more than sure. now on your head knowledge and everything and sometimes you you don't go to God for things cuz you, you think you now you got it all together. <laughs> Self wants to be in charge whether you're saved or not. Yeah. And uh, and I still have to actively fight that all the time. And I have a I have a wonderful time in salvation. I I have a I have a beautiful wife whom I do not deserve. Um, I have great friends. I have brothers and sisters in the Lord. I have uh, much better relationships with my family, um, friends. I I get to travel. I'm an evangelist. I get to travel, preach. You know, I have a a good life. It's not a... uh, I'm not rich, you know, monetarily. but all my needs are met, and I, and I'm saying all this because I, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm saying that that salvation is the banana split of life with a yeah. cherry on top. I think that's where the religious world gets it wrong, and yeah. so many people have this false viewpoint of Christianity of oh if I give my life to Jesus if I serve God everything's going to be all right everything's going to be okay everything's just sure. so smooth. But it you still live in a life, you still live in a, in a world of sin and everything, mm-hmm. so you're going to have to battle with things, but now you have the Holy Spirit to help you, instead, on your own, instead of making, you know, trying to fix stuff yourself, because we can't, we can't change things on our own. No. No, doesn't keep us from trying, but no, but we can't. We'll try and fail. <laughs> and that's, and that's it. And I think, especially too, my relationship with God, I mean, hearkening back all the way to when I was a little boy, and I prayed, uh, starting with my grandpa to not die, and then my sister, and then my mom, various other people, uh, having those prayers, um, quote-unquote, not be answered in the way that I wanted them answered, I suppose. Um, Being saved doesn't guarantee that I'm still going to get what I want. You know, and and that's really important for me to say because being the type of kid I was and how those how those moments uh, shaped my view of God and a relationship with God at a young age, um, it, it could be easy to get back into that way of thinking again. Even as an older man, I could I could say, well, you know, this is what I get for serving God. This didn't work out the way I wanted. This didn't happen. Um, I thought I was. I thought now that I'm saved, really saved. I thought, now I should be able to ask God for something and get it, you know. And, uh, and I think it's important to, to state that, you know, it, it's God, God doing everything I want him to do is not his priority, you know. It's, it, it, it would destroy us if we got everything we wanted. Well, it would. And if you look at, again, a reference point in the Bible, Jesus um, in the Garden of Gethsemane getting ready to... Uh, Knowing he's getting ready to go to the cross, he, he prays the familiar prayer, Lord, if there be any other way um, to do this, let, let this cup pass from my lips. But he always finished that prayer with, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And I think that's, 
That's the kicker right there, because Jesus didn't claim to know what the will of God was in the in that prayer. Now he knew what he came to do, and he and he knew that the will of God was that man could make heaven his home through a blood sacrifice. But Jesus was saying, if there's any other way, now keep in mind this is Jesus, the Son of God. He knows God personally. There could be another way if God wanted there to be another way, yeah. right? But this was the way, and uh, and so the and the interesting thing is Jesus calls himself the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. So here it is coming to a head in his earthly life, but he's scared. He doesn't want to die like that. It's going to be painful. Um, so when I find myself in a situation when I'm praying and I, I, I believe I really want to see this come to pass, it's an honest prayer. You know, I'm asking God, God, do this. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. And it's in that moment where um, that relationship comes to pass. It's in that moment where I realize, okay, I can, I can step back and say, I, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but God's will is supreme. And as long as I'm praying his will, whatever that is, even if it hurts me in the process to some degree, or makes me feel bad or hurts my feelings, it's worth it Yeah. because I'm saved. I'm born again. I was a junkie who was delivered. I was a pervert who was delivered. I was an angry man filled with hate and I was delivered you know how how could I presume you know to demand anything more than that of God yeah you know that's where it comes down it's not just about us it's right. it, it's not just about us you know our 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 problems our things it's about others that's when coming in when you become a Christian it, it now you're a servant you it's to be Christ-like, they say. So now you're becoming like Jesus. You're trying to live like Jesus, and Jesus was a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm not washing anybody's feet. But it, it, it shows that we're supposed to serve, and it's not just about us. Here's, here's, right. here's God in the flesh washing the disciples' feet. That's, that's so powerful because, you know, he could have came on chariots, you know, and all fancy luxury things, sit, sit on the throne here on earth, but he came and he, and he humbled himself. And, yes. And we're supposed to follow that. Right, right. So how could I, you know, how, how could I presume to, uh, to be prideful in the face of God? <laughs> and we know we're, we are definitely not better than Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no. No, no, and that's, I mean, it, it, just hearing, for anyone who is going to hear this, hearing my testimony, I mean, I, I know who I am, I know who I was, um, I know who I could be again without Jesus. All, all of those options are still available to me. It's not like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm without choice. You know, I still have the choice to go and wreck my life today if, if I was committed enough to do it. Um, if anything, I have more of a dependence on God than I ever did right now. And I, and I know that, and that's not something that came to me early in salvation. I took me a while to realize that, that I need him now more than I, I, I did even then. And, and I'm not a junk anymore, it, but it, I, I need him more now. It's like that song we sing. I need you more. Yes. 
yeah. more than yesterday. Yeah. More more than the air I breathe. Right. Yeah. Because you know, yesterday's gone. There's there's truth in that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then another song, Yesterday's Gone, Today I'm in Need. Yes. It's a it's a battle each and every day. We can't control the future. We can't change the past, so we live in the present. Right. But who can? God can. And that's why we, we got to go to God for everything. That's it. And, and that's the relationship. And, and the fact is, I know that I can. You know, through all those times of loneliness and struggle and heartache, feeling like I didn't have anyone I could go to. I know I've, I can go to God now. Yeah. And so even when life gets difficult sometimes, um, I have something I didn't have before. I have someone I didn't have before. And that's what brings peace. You know? There's a true love now. From they, yes. There is no love like Jesus. That's it's, right. It's a true love. And, and if you're out there, if you're hopeless, there is hope in Jesus. There, There's a hope in Jesus Christ. There, Nothing in this world is it even compares to what G- Jesus is, what God is. He He is the hope. He is the way. So this this whole thing is just to show you that there is hope in Jesus Christ. That you don't have to have it all together. That you don't have to be the perfect person. That you come to Jesus as you are and Jesus will change you. But you got to accept it. That's where it comes. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift, a gift, you have to receive a gift. So you have to receive Jesus in order to be changed. Yes. And that's what we see in your life and your testimony. And now you you preach and, and you go around and and you spread the gospel. And that that's a great thing because <laughs> thinking of your life before you're like man who would ever let you you know <laughs> preach you know the life coming you, the life you came from, and that shows the love the loving God we serve that you don't have to be you don't it's not how you start but it's about how you finish. Exactly, yes, exactly, and that's and that's for anyone, anyone, any, anyone who's hearing this, anyone, anyone. I can't stress that enough. Anyone. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do have a background like mine. Maybe, maybe you've got a background uh, like Giovanni, who was born and raised in church. And as he pointed out, we all need Jesus. There isn't one person who needs Jesus more than anybody else. We all need Jesus. The Bible says that we are all born into sin, and we're all in need of a Savior. And so that Savior is available to all. And it just comes down to choice. I mean, if you... If you want a new life, there is one available to you through Jesus Christ. Um, but it can't be a, uh, it can't be in name only, because as I said, I believed in Jesus my whole life. Serving God is is necessary, and that's where some people are gonna are gonna balk. You know, the religious world will tell you that you can live any way you want to live, and once uh, saved, always saved. Yes, still make heaven your home, and that's that's not what the Bible says. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to bash any religions or anything like that. Um, but the gospel says what the gospel says. And grace is not a cloak for sin. Grace is not uh, uh, a syrup that we, we swim in. Like it says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, is what, is what Paul says. No. <laughs> and, that's, and that's exactly sort of what we're talking about now. In, in in this part, it's 
it is necessary to have a relationship with God that continues to grow, yes. that continues to change, that continues to evolve, but it always comes back to blood. Salvation is bloody, and it's somebody else's blood. And the religious world balks at that because they want it to be neat and tidy, and it's not. The cross is not neat and tidy. So that's it, it's it. He died a bloody death so that we could make heaven our home. And it makes making the choice easier because, man, somebody paid that price, you know. Yeah. And so I'm eternally grateful. I mean, I I am grateful for everything that God has done. I'm grateful for my life. I, I'm even grateful for the. Uh, for the times before God, because I, I have a reference point where I can say, this is who I was, and now I don't have to be that. And uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to, to uh, share this with anybody who's hearing it. I appreciate the invite uh, from Giovanni. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about these things and to share my testimony. And I hope, I, I hope it's my heart that, that this will speak to somebody on some level. Um, more importantly, it's my hope that uh, that you'll be led to Christ through it, just from your own life, and the knowledge that there's there's a better life available to you through Jesus. So yeah. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, thank you for coming. That just goes to show that there is power in your testimony. In in, in your testimony, there's power. God will use your testimony. It's, it shows that we're not all different. We're not all drastically different we you know you're <laughs> we struggle all with the same things is common to man you know we all struggle with the same things but the, that you could come to christ that it doesn't matter your situation that you could still come to christ that there is a hope for a church kid all the way to the murder that there is hope in jesus christ it says in revelations uh, 12 11 and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimonies. What Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus is doing in our lives because he paid that price, our debt. So I hope this helps you. Um, this is just something new for us, just to share the the life of people, that transform a changed life. That's where the revamp comes from. It's a, it's a renewing. It's a, like the Bible says, when you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things have passed, and behold, all things come new. So thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Evangelist Scott Snellen who joined us um, today, and I pray that this helps you. Thank you, guys.